When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com, here is Jennifer Duplessis. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen DuPlessis, where our focus is on you, the loan originator, to help your business grow by sharing all kinds of successes from all kinds of people, as well as any insight that I might have so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So today, I'm really, really excited because I have a colleague of mine from Apex Home Loans, um, Larry Finkelberg. So say hi, Larry. Hello, everyone. Well, we're glad to have you on board. So let me just give you all some insight on this. You know, and we've talked about this before is that, you know, it's not, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. And I don't like always being the person who's talking about ideas. And I love hearing from other people because I too am a life learner. So Larry, I'm going to just explain uh, or tell everyone about you real quick. So Larry is a 15-year veteran in the mortgage industry. He too is a certified mortgage planner. So there's a trend there. Uh, Working with financial advisors and CPAs and attorneys, which I'm sure he'll tell us about um, on this podcast. He's also approved to um, teach continuing education classes, another theme that goes through everything that we talk about on our podcast. Uh, Larry was also the former um, partner and vice president at Amira Home Lending Incorporated. So, um, you know, he knows how to run a business. He knows how to run his origination practice as a business as well. So I'm really excited to hear about some of his, um, of his insight there as well. He uh, volunteers with the, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That's mouthful for me to say, otherwise known as LLS. And um, he serves on a lot of task forces um, with them. When he is not being an originator. Um, you can find him practicing martial arts, and he is a provisional black belt in Muay Thai. Did I pronounce that right? Got it. Very close, Jack. Okay. Yes. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. Good. So you don't want to mess with Larry. You don't want to mess with him. But you know, it also tells me that you're very focused. You're a very focused person. You're very disciplined, and I'm, you know, just terribly interested in finding out how that applies to your mortgage practice. So what I'd like to start off with is how did you get started in the mortgage industry 15 years ago? You got it. And thanks again for the opportunity to share, Jen. So uh, believe it or not, I, I, like most of us, didn't uh, plan to be a mortgage originator when I was five years old. Uh, I was actually in hospitality. I was working in hotels and a good family friend owned a mortgage company. And every time I saw him at holiday parties, barbecues, et cetera, he'd always say, you know, you really ought to give it a shot. I think you'd be good at it. You know, after a couple of years of working at hotels, nights, weekends, holidays, uh, the idea of being able to do my own thing, dictate my own success became increasingly appealing. So I eventually took the plunge at the time I, you know, 
was still pretty young, didn't have a family, so I, I felt like I could take the risk and did. Um, this was back in 2000, and I just was hungry to learn the business, to build a practice, and he served as a really good mentor for me. One of the things that probably set the trajectory of my career was from the very beginning, it was all about your database. You know, he really drove that home. Reach out to everybody you know. As you make connections, make sure you keep track of all that. You know how to follow up. And as that grows, so too were your business. So that was really great advice that was imparted onto me very early on and is still the cornerstone of, of how I do things. So I was with uh, that company, uh, which was a brokerage company, as, as most were at that time, through the insanity of 2004, 2005. Uh, then uh, the processor, the head processor there and I um, started talking as things were getting a little bit interesting. And as it turns out, we opened up our shop uh, July 15th of 2007. And for those of you that were in the industry back then, the very next Tuesday, American uh, ABC, American uh, Brokers Conduit, American Home Mortgage, um, was unable to fund loans, and and the crisis was well underway. But oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a little <laughs> bit of a uh, oh my god, what did we do here? Um, right. But, but luckily, we were we were able to ride it out. Um, we were a small brokerage firm. Um, had some success where we really struggled uh, was recruiting. And, and finding the kind of originators that would really help take the practice to the next level. And then we stayed together, um, wrote everything out. And as of a year ago, just a little more, um, I just felt like there was so much involved in running the business and the compliance piece. And yeah. we just didn't have the resources to put all of that help into place. And I had been talking with Apex for quite some time and transitioned over there in May of last year and have been focused solely on originating and uh, things have been going fantastic since. Good. Great. Well, thank you for sharing sure. that. So I want to, I want to go back to, you know, what you learned um, the most, because part of this is just telling us about your practice. You know, mm-hmm. do you have a team? And of course I know the answer to all these questions, right. but um, do you have a team? Uh, where, what are the sources of mm-hmm. um, your business? Where does that come from? But I, sp- I, I want you to, when you get to that point, specifically address what you're doing in your database, since that's something that was ingrained into you um, a long time ago. Cause we hear this a lot in our industry that we need to be going after our database. But I, I think there's so many people who talk about it, but so many people who don't actually do it. So mm-hmm. um, getting your insight on just some tips that you use um, when talking to your clients, I think would be really good. So, you know, as you're talking about your business and how it looks, um, your practice and how it looks, uh, just be sure to include that in there if you would, please. Sure. Um, so as far as my team, I'll start there. I do have a mortgage planner. Uh, relatively new addition to the team. And as you know, Jen, luckily here Mm -hmm. at at Apex, there's a really good model kind of built for that. And um, we go through team training. There's real good divisions of labor and everybody knows what tasks they're responsible for. And of course, I have a very lucky to have a a fantastic processor that really, once the file is in processing, I'm I'm more or less hands-off, which obviously helps me focus on uh, what we need to be doing. And that's, that's originating loans and building relationships. Um, So as far as the database piece, um, I've got, like many of us, I've I've got a loan process and I've got a checklist as 
you know, from the second I speak to a prospect, um, capturing uh, the information, uh, obviously doing the personal note, making sure that I reach back out to the referral source, kind of the blocking and tackling. But the database, there's a couple of things that I try to do that maybe make it a little bit more robust than, than perhaps some others is I have what's called a, a client profile sheet where, you know, a lot of the information on there is stuff that we would get in the interview, but I try to go a little bit deeper about, um, you know, kids, their ages and birthdays, anniversaries. Occasionally, you know, you're, you're going to get people that'll send it back, but they won't, and they won't fill out the information about the kid. And, and that, that's fine. It's not ever an issue that, uh, I'm going to push, but, you know, just ask about what their um, objectives are financially, what their concerns are. And that really helps me kind of get to know who they are a little bit better and put that in there into my database. So it gives me the opportunity not just to follow up on their birthday, but also their kids' birthdays and big milestones, things like that. And it just allows to make for a little bit better personal con- connection um, mm-hmm. and, and then, of course, um, once a loan closes, in addition to the annual reviews, uh, I've got another touch point. I, I like to do what I call the 90-day check-in. So three mm-hmm. months after settlement, it's just an opportunity for me to, to pick up the phone, give them a call, make sure everything we did, the mortgage plan we put in place is still working. They're getting their statements in a timely manner. And it's also a great opportunity to just kind of remind them of the experience and see if there's an opportunity there for them to introduce me to any, you know, friends, families, coworkers that may benefit from, from what it is we do. Right. So as a result of the different, the varying systems that you have in place, birthdays, anniversaries, you know, other milestones, that, um, and the, the loan anniversary and the 90-day check-in, how many times are you actually touching a client on just in this realm, because I know that we have a lot of marketing pieces that go out too, but just in this realm, how many times are you actually having a conversation with a client after closing? So I try to do quarterly on an ongoing basis. So mm-hmm. one of the things I do, you know, when everybody's uh, shot out of a cannon and everybody's got their goals for the beginning of the year, uh, it's not just us, it's, it's everybody. So I always try to, that's a great reason to call your databases in January, wish them a happy new year ask about the goals, anything you can do to help them. There's obviously the birthday call. There's, um, I like to call during the summer to ask about their vacations, you know, again, kind of separate from the marketing piece of it. Uh, And then one call that I'll make for the holidays, just because everybody celebrates different things at the end of the year, it gets a little bit touchy. So I always try to do that week of Thanksgiving, you know, just giving a call. Yeah, the thank you. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it really, between that and kind of the business, the 90-day touch and the, the annual review, I, I really have a, a reason to call mm-hmm. about four times a year. And, and I think that's probably the sweet spot. Any more than that, I, it might be a little overkill. Yeah. And now most of these are phone calls and not emails, correct? I just want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing that, Absolutely. you know, I think what a lot of people do is, right, um, I call it hiding behind the keyboard confidence. Yep. Right. And it's easy to pop out an email and things like that, but, you know, actually picking up the phone. So, you know, one of the things that I've talked about in in um, a past podcast and, you know, I'll just bring it back to light again, is that a strategy that I use in order to be able to do this on a quarterly basis, just as you're saying here, mm-hmm. is that um, 
you know, if we think about a whole year, it's 52 weeks. And for some reason, God created 26 <laughs> letters of the alphabet, right? Right. And so um, if you want to call someone twice a year, you would call all of the people with the last name of A the first week of January and the first week of July. And then all the key people with the Bs the second week of January and the second week of July and it, until you finished out your year. So every um, at the half year, at the half time, you can print your entire database and call them again and catch up with them for mm-hmm. their summer plans and whatnot. Um, but for those that are listening, you know, if you want to call them more frequently for whatever other reason, you know, if you don't have the annual review and you haven't incorporated that or implemented, implemented that into your program or you don't have a way to keep birthdays and other things, you can double up on that. You can do A's and B's the first week and C's and D's the second, and that way you'll get to everyone um, four times a year. So right. it's just a you know suggestion for people. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point, Jen, because it, two times a year, you're doing it two more times in your competition. So I couldn't Bingo. agree more with that. And I, I think the problem is that like a lot of times there's a little bit of call reluctance because well, if we call, they're going to think we're trying to sell them something. And, uh-huh. and you just right. make sure you spend a little bit of time to think about a topic to... Why are you calling them? Exactly. And and it's yeah. you'd be surprised. I think the perception that we have uh, is very different. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've called clients just to wish them a happy birthday. And they're the one that brings up the, you know what? I can't believe I didn't think of it. My neighbors, but you know, so it is a marketing opportunity, even though we're not treating it as such. Right. You know, and I always use the uh, terminology that the uh, season is the reason. Right. That's why we're calling. Whatever season you're in, you just ask, how, how is your summer? How are your holidays? How is your spring break? How is your fall? You know, I think the season is the reason. And so when in doubt, just ask them how their season has exactly. been. Exactly. You know, and yep. I think that's probably good. Okay. So that's cultivating and harvest, harvesting your database. So let's talk about the other two areas that I know that you're involved mm-hmm. with um, that help you grow your business. Mm-hmm. So um, financial planners um, have been a great source of business for me. And obviously, like the rest of us, too, realtors are great, attorneys are great. And the way that I've, I guess, let me start kind of 10,000 foot. The way that I've developed those those relationships is I've leveraged um, organizations. So I'm very, very active in the, the, one of the local chambers here. I'm currently mm-hmm. serving as, as chair of the board. Um, but my whole concept was, okay, these are people that are out there trying to grow their business. They're like-minded, they're entrepreneurial. Let me get involved and connect with these people and see how we can create a mutually beneficial relationship. So I did that years and years and years ago and have met so many referral partners that I've had for years on end. We're both you know, tremendously loyal to, to one another. Uh, it's been a great relationship. We've been able to help each other's clients. We've been able to make other introductions for one another. So um, I've really leveraged the community and the chamber to kind of grow those relationships. And then financial advisors, uh, they just want you to, to know your stuff. They want you to do right by their clients they want you to take care of them, and I've I've just found them to be really valuable uh, partners. And you know they they're not asking. Sometimes it can be difficult with realtors because we feel like we need to 
be able to give a bunch of referrals? And if you have 10 realtors, do you have all these referrals to give out? I, you know, I found that financial advisors, I mean, of course, they'd appreciate them and you give them when you can, but they're, they're less concerned about that than they are you just doing right by the client. So I kind of, I, I focused on that as I built my business. Um, and the stuff that we do as far as mortgage planning and helping our clients understand the impact of the mortgage on their overall finances really dovetails nicely into that relationship with financial advisors. Right. Well, it's natural. It's yep. a natural progression. You know, we talk financial advising, so, you know, that's why not talk the same language, you know? And mm-hmm. I've said, bef- I said lots of times before on this podcast too, is that, you know, our real estate agents, while I love them, a lot of them, the best, the best that they can do on mortgage on math is understanding <laughs> three or 6% of their commission. And, and I don't mean it badly. It's just, that's, that's how it is. And so, You're right. you know, um, and believe me, there are, there are plenty of them that I, I really like, but it's not a main focus. Okay. So, so that's great. And, you know, we've talked about that in the past. How have you, um, let me just ask you a couple questions about the financial advisors. How have you met them? How have you gone, you know, other than, you you know, this networking and whatnot, um, you know, involved in chambers and B&I maybe and, you know, maybe other things. But what are some other ways that you've met specifically financial advisors? So th- that's a big one. And the other one is really through my clients. Um, luckily, I'm you know, in, in, in this area, there, my client base is a lot of professionals. A lot of them have financial advisors. So what, what I like to try to do very early on in the process is engage with their CPA, their financial advisor, to kind of bring them on board and let them know what we're doing on the, on the liability side of the ledger. And that's a really good opportunity to kind of develop a relationship as you move through the loan transaction, but then to follow up uh, with them after the fact. You, the, the people that your clients know can, can overwhelm you if you just ask. And if you take care of them, they're really happy to make an introduction. So I've re- really leveraged that. In fact, that client um, profile sheet that I referenced a little while ago, uh, part of that is there's about four or five professions, um, financial planner, CPA, estate attorney, property and casualty, realtor, I just ask them to rank from one to 10 the relationship they have with their existing person. If they're ranking them high, that's an opportunity for me to ask for an introduction. And of course, if they're not satisfied with any or all of those people, it's an opportunity uh, to make an introduction. So those have really been the two main ways, you know, by getting engaged in organizations in the community, meeting them that way, and then through my my clients themselves. Right. Sounds like you've been listening to my podcast, but you probably haven't um, (laughs) because that's exactly what I do. I have it on my mortgage planning questionnaire. Yeah, exact thing. So that's awesome. And and everyone who's listening to the podcast, if you just go back and uh, go through some of the podcasts and and look for... um, the mortgage planning questionnaire, uh, it, it's a resource that you have available to you. It's a five-page document that um, I provide to my clients um, when I first meet them. I ask them to fill out a mortgage planning questionnaire. Okay, so the last piece of this, um, and actually you've pretty much touched on it, the com- you know, the community involvement and how you're growing your business. Are you sponsoring things or are you just being present and having deep conversations with people at networking or are you... Uh, meeting people and then subsequently doing a one-to-one. Kind of share with us the strategy on how you have, you know, take taken it from I'm going to right. join all these things, show up, collect a bunch of cards, and actually turn that and convert that into business. Right. So just 
quick point I, I want to make is um, I'm actually a big believer in, in depth versus breadth when it comes to organizations. So I'm, I'm, I'm really not involved in a whole bunch of different organizations. Um, obviously, the chamber is a big one, but um, I, I really try to to focus in on one or two as opposed to joining a BNI chapter and a this chapter and that, just because I feel like you spread yourself too thin and you really don't have an opportunity to, to bring value and, and in turn get value. But the way that I do it is, um, yes, I've, I've sponsored, uh, actively involved in committees, serving on the board, volunteering for opportunities. Um, but I go to a networking event with a very clear objective. I want to talk to three people that are worth following up on and that we agree that it's worth following up together. So I, I don't want to sit there and, you know, it's nice to catch up with people, but I'm there for a reason. So I go in there with a goal to meet these three people, whether it's a realtor, financial planner, CPA, attorney, whatever the profession might be. If I feel like there's some synergies there, um, I want to get a commitment from them that we're going to follow up and really kind of uncover whether or not it makes sense for us to explore a strategic partnership. And then from there, it's just about follow-up. I, not to get off on a tangent, but um, there was, there's a financial planner. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. There's a financial planner that's actually in the building next door to ours. Um, Right when I came on the board, he was coming off. We kind of, you know, hadn't seen each other in a while ran into each other, reconnected, and have really gotten to become friends and gotten to know each other really well. And I'm not exaggerating, just in this calendar year, uh, including his own purchase, I think he's referred me seven transactions. Um, And that was from the chamber, but just, hey, let's follow up and let's see if we're on the same page. And and it turns out with that one, uh, we were indeed. So it's understanding that not everybody's the right fit, but you've you've got to be strategic about it you've got to make sure you follow up because if you nothing's ever going to come from going to a networking meeting uh in and of itself it's all about who you meet and then follow up with them right right so i have a podcast called no before you go i like it yeah so if everybody can go back and listen to that you'll you'll understand exactly what larry's saying wow um yeah i know it's ironic isn't it <laughs> this is why i thought it would be really good to have this because you know know who's going to be there know exactly what your game plan is know what your focus is before you go yes indeed um so tell us larry what do you love most about what you do the relationships i mean i i really do i, I i've spent a lot of time kind of thinking about that in the last couple of years and um you know what what kind of winds my clock is just having relationships with people being there for them and vice versa um and this this industry that's what it's all about i mean mm-hmm. you know you know we talk about it in our sales mm-hmm. meeting there's there's a segment of the population that they don't want to ever talk to somebody when they get a mortgage they want it to be strictly technology driven and that's okay but i think for most people this is a really big deal and their home and their mortgage is a big thing. And when, you know, somebody says, you know, what, whatever you think, I trust you. I mean, that, that really just, that's what it's all about to me. And, and being able to, you know, know that when my clients really need anything, they're going to pick up the phone and call me and ask who I should, who they should reach out to. That's, that's what winds my clock. Just, just people and deep relationships and this, this industry couldn't be better for that. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, um, I know I can tell you, I, I don't want to talk to a desk. And I think that's one of the great things about um, what we all do that are listening in is being able to go out and, and speak to people and not just be tied to a desk and not have a network of people that in many cases become our friends, you that's know, and, yep. and they change our lives. And, you know, if I'm tied to a desk, I don't really have that many friends. So I think, uh, you know, those of us that are like that, we're, we're a little bit of a friend junkies, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> right. No, that's I couldn't okay. agree more. Couldn't agree more. And that's, yeah. uh, that's what does it for me, no doubt. So when you think back on your last, you know, the 15 years, and I'm sure you've had ups and downs and setbacks and things. And we, you know, we were just talking before we actually started the podcast about, you know, just the transition over to Apex or to any company, whenever someone makes a transition, because I've made it um, even less time than you. Um, But when you look back on, on your entire career, what do you think was the main and major trigger that propelled you from from being who you were when you first started to who you are now. Wow, that's that's a really good question. Very profound, huh? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you know, I I guess I'm a little bit uh, maybe embarrassed to admit this, but you know, for the first part of my career, I I think I was I think I was out there to make some money. And I, it, I don't mean to suggest that I wasn't taking care of my clients, but I think my, my focus was, you know, let, let's, let's see how many loans we can write. Let's, let's make money. Let's, let's get it done. Kind of not a turn and burn attitude, but you know, it was, it was about the, it was about the me. And I mean, it, it, it took me, it took me a long time. And I think it was really kind of when, when the, the housing crisis was kind of in its peak. And, you know, I was trying to keep a company afloat, but more importantly, I was, I was seeing so many clients, so many people just watch their home values plummet and people are going through all these financial difficulties. And I I just, I kind of had a, a real change in mindset that like, if you do the right thing, you take care of people you do you do what is right and everything else kind of falls in place so it's not that there was this big kind of tectonic shift in the the things i did in my business i think it was just kind of how i approached it and i, I don't want that to sound you know kind of pie in the sky but it that was really kind of what what did it for me and i i think that you know for those of us that have been in the industry long enough that went through that and kind of came out on the other end and we, I know we all took our bumps and bruises, but came out with kind of a, a strong, vibrant practice and doing loans for people you did loans for 10 and 12 years ago. Um, just it's, it kind of reaffirms that that mindset is, is really the only way in the long run to do this, to do this business. So that, that was really the, the profound, um, kind of change in my business. And to that point, um, a, a book that drives that home so incredibly well, and one I'm I'm reading for the second time right now is uh, the Big Leap. So I, I, it was one thing I wanted to make sure I remember to do is to recommend a book, and I I'm sure you've read it, Jen, probably two or three times. But for anybody out there, I cannot recommend that uh, that book. That's a game changer. 
Yeah, and you know it's an easy read, guys. Um, sure. So for an audio, you could do a very quick audio, but you know it's a very very easy read. And yeah, I think so too. I think it's you know trusting yourself to, you know, and not having those limiting beliefs in in yourself. I think what you were trying to say in in all of your eloquent words, which were great, because it it helps us understand how that transition and transpired with you is really um, the desire to be driven uh, not by money but by purpose. Yes. And when you're driven by purpose, the money will come. It's just, it's just a, a different mindset. It's just a shift. Yeah. And everything that we do is about a shift, a small shift. Um, and I think that's really key. And I, you know, uh, you, you know, and, and I think even, you know, even my trigger, I've talked about that in, in a couple of, um, I've talked about it before in the podcast, but, you know, my trigger was just identifying the difference between a quality of life and a life of quality. Mm-hmm. And there are two key differences. And one one is driven by money to have things, and the other is driven by family to have life. And that's really critical wow. for me. Yeah. So I so I think that uh, you know, driven by purpose versus driven by money is probably, you know, one of the biggest triggers that, that a lot of us have. You know, and I think it comes with uh, age in the business. I think it comes with age. I think it comes with family. And I also think it comes through um, experiences, uh, particularly in our industry, where so many of us went through such very trying times, you know, when the um, when we had the big bubble burst. And it was a um, come to Jesus meeting. Yep, you know, that's sure really was. what it was. It was a come to that. So thank you for sharing um, that information with us, too. We we really appreciate um, that. So so given, you know, that that was the trigger in your business, mm-hmm. it changed things you know what does the future look like for you couldn't be brighter i'm i really um i struggled probably just as you did uh jen with making the transition from where i was uh to apex but i i I feel like i'm in the place i was i was really meant to be and it's a great Mm -hmm. culture and i've got i feel like there's nothing but success on the horizon i i've got some some lofty production expectations but to, to really go to your point um it's it's a lot more than just that. I, I'm working uh, smarter, and that's a big goal that I have, you know, limiting my hours but making sure I'm efficient. Um, family, I've got two daughters, nine and three years old. They're obviously the most important thing to me. Um, you know, doing my Muay Thai training, all that stuff kind of keeps me, keeps me centered, keeps me grounded, and, and it's it's really what I'm doing it all for because you're right. At the end of the day, money's just a means to you know quality of life. So uh, I couldn't be more excited about the future. I think uh, it's a great industry. Um, it's very different than it was before, but you know for those that commit to it, the, the sky's the limit, and you can you can have a great life, you can make a good living, and you can take care of people uh, and have complete control over your your schedule and your freedom. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before we wind everything down, we, we, you know, I just appreciate you sharing everything. I, again, you know, for everybody who's listening, you know, the whole purpose of bringing other people on is, you know, not about using a specific software, or a specific system, and, you know, and how we, how we implement that in, into it, but just to help us all come together and realize that we're not an island. We, we do have others out there that we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to get together. And maybe just one thing that Larry has said today, you know, changes your life and allows you to, you know, have a life that's driven by purpose um, versus, uh, you know, running around like a chicken with your head cut off and trying to figure out what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Right. It just makes me sick to think of that. Um, so a couple of things that I ask uh, people that are on, on the, um, 
interview with me that are guests with me is that, you know, we're always looking for great marketing ideas that we can share because our listeners are across the country. Um, So do you have something really interesting that you do that's just unique that no one really knows that you're doing um, that you could share with everybody? So unfortunately, I can't say that I'm probably the only one doing it, but I think from a bang for the buck and, and just what really has an impact is I'm really big on, on doing client appreciation events. Um, I, you know, it kind of goes back to why I'm in the industry and what I love about it. It's the relationship. So I really try to, you know, make sure that I'm reaching out to my clients and my strategic partners to, you know, not just a business lunch, but let's get the families together. Um, you know, let's go out with spouses and have, you know, a wine tasting or a paired dinner, something to that effect, a movie with, with kids or, you know, go into a barbecue and inviting the family. I, I, to me, if I'm going to, if I'm going to invest in marketing, that's the way to do it. And I, again, just like with the networking, it's so much more quality versus quantity. So, uh, for those of you that aren't, uh, doing that with with regularity, I, I couldn't recommend it higher because I, I think you'll you'll create the lifelong relationships that are just invaluable and uh, it, I, it pays just unquantifiable dividends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so last but not least, what would you like to leave with us? Recognizing that the listeners are brand new all the way to tenured. And guess what? We even have some sprinkles of real estate agents, financial planners, and other business owners on the call, on, on, who are listening to the um, podcast. So what, what's the one thing you'd like to leave with us if you're trying to create some balance or um, just anything, sure. anything you could think of in the business? If you could give somebody some advice and they wanted to pick your brain about, tell me the one thing that I should be considering sure. right uh, now. Keep it in perspective. Um, I think that we tend to, you know, our industry and financial planning industry is very deadline oriented. You're dealing with big sums of money and it's very important what we do. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I think a lot of us have a tendency to just, you kind of alluded to it, running around with your hair on fire and like the world is going to end if a refinance doesn't close today, but it closes tomorrow. So I would just encourage everybody, we're, nobody's going to die as a result of what it is we do. We're not in open heart surgery. So <laughs> I think, you know, trying to slow down a little bit, keep a little bit of perspective, um, it goes a long way because I, I've, I saw it through the years. I mean, people that would literally burn out in this industry because they put so much undue pressure on themselves and their clients in the process that it's just too much for anybody to bear. So it's our careers were a huge part of what we do for our clients, but keep it in perspective Uh, for longevity sake, for quality of life sake. And also, you know, if you, if you have a team around you, nobody wants to work with somebody that's wound super tight and everything's an emergency. So uh, that's kind of, I'd like to impart that on everybody. Yep. I can tell you're into martial arts. Yes. It comes out. I mean, you know, as soon as, as soon as you start talking about that comes in, you know, it comes into play. So, you know, if, if you're listening and you don't want to do martial arts, you know, think about, um, you know, reading the miracle morning, um, and, you know, having that daily meditation in the morning. That's a great book. Um, 
you know, to start off your day to try to get some centering and some focusing and about affirmations and, um, you know, writing and journaling and things like that. It, it, you know, find something that gives you a release from what we do in our industry so that we can, um, it's a sharpening your axe, right? Yep. So that we can continue to move forward and be better for everybody else. So listen, Larry, thank you again so much for taking the time to do this. I know it took us several months to pull this together, but, um, you know, I appreciate uh, you being willing to share, you know, with, with other people exactly what's going on in your practice. And, you know, I wish you all the best in the coming, the finishing out your rest of your year. And I can't wait to see what those lofty goals are for next year and help you get there by, you know, encouraging you and always asking you and being your uh, distant accountability partner, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Jen, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I hope I was at least able to give a nugget or two to uh, some of the listeners, but uh, it's great what you're doing to give back to the industry. And I, I can't tell you how much I've gotten from, you know, just the, the few conversations that we've had and all the, all the things that you do to bring value to your clients and your team. So uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So everybody, please remember, go over to iTunes, write a review. Please keep that going. We appreciate it very much. And if you need to get a hold of me, you can always reach out to me at my website at www.kearney. I'm sorry, I say that every time. KineticSparkConsulting.com. And I will be happy to answer any of your questions. Go out and make a great week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.